What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pre-Professional Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Kraft, along with host Colton Watching. Today on the podcast, we have Patrick Boylo, a.k.a. Patty B, a.k.a. the 109-kilogram class weightlifting champion in Canada. Today, um, we're going to talk about massage therapy. We're going to talk about weightlifting. Um, we're just going to kind of sit back, have a good time, um, and just have a good conversation so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you don't like it, you're wrong. If you don't like Patty B, you're really wrong. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, don't forget to like and share these episodes. Um, we appreciate all your guys' support. Without further ado, Patty B. I hope so, man. Yeah, no, dude. I'm really excited about this one. I feel like there's not a lot of like episodes where the people are super like down to just kind of like shoot the shit and just have fun. And it's more oh, of like, like all business. Well, it's hard, right? Yeah. It's like, it's hard to like get the perfect balance between like enough of like trash talking and shooting shit mm-hmm. and like the real stuff. It's kind of hard to have the perfect balance. Yeah. No, but then let's just like, let's just get into some of the, the fun stuff. So people, when they're listening, they're going to be like, who's this guy? Who's Patty B? Why, why is he on the podcast? Let's talk about him. Patty B is just the meathead that <laughs> wanted to stay in the gym longer. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> I love it. A full beef meathead, dude. Yeah. Well, man, like, you know, like, you're in Cairo school, right? I'm, so I'm about to be. So I will be there in August. Oh, epic. Yeah. So Fuck I'm going yeah. to gap you right now, which is uh, a blessing and a curse. Oh, you're okay. Yeah. It's like great because you have all this free time. Oh, so much. And I'm making money. And then, but there's also things that I just want to change. <laughs> I want to be in school, man. I want to be learning something I actually care about instead of laying flooring. That's what I'm doing right now. So, all your, your work as a, like a, you're putting flooring all day long? All day long. Man. But like, I think that's one thing, like, made me realize why I wanted to be working in a gym for, or staying in a gym as long. It's like, doing those hard jobs growing up and i'm like yeah fuck this no yeah i'm not doing this that's where i'm at right now my life i'm like man i am so glad i'm going back to school you're like it pays really well oh, it does but i'm also working like a dog for 10 hours yeah and i and i and i feel terrible afterwards oh, man how do you go to gym after this it's lots of caffeine i tell you what yeah and you're in the united states the caffeine tastes better over there well, is it what's what's so different about it over there well, like there's like let's say a rain in the U.S. is like three twenty, mm-hmm. and in Canada it's like one eighty. No, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got limitations on caffeine over there. Yeah. So you gotta drink. Like but they don't have any. Ma- the time. <laughs> they have limitation on caffeine, but they don't have it on maple syrup. So. <laughs> hey. I don't know. I don't know. There you go. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah. No. Yeah. So. Um, I'm a massage therapist. So what do you, what do you, how do you want me to structure this? Like so for just, people like, like I talk, I, 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 I'm really big into massage therapy. So like if I didn't have my massage therapist, I don't know where I'd be in life. So okay. that's kind of the direction I want to go with this, just because I think that that is such a, like a career path that a lot of people don't think about. Um, and they are in the business of helping people more than a lot of doctors or anything. So, like, I, I really want to kind of touch on that. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah, so, like, what my like my introduction to massage therapy was kind of, like, 
backdoor entry kind of thing because it was not very popular like growing up for myself mm-hmm. until like it was very like AT physio that I was seeing a bit of Cairo. And then when I finished like when I was a personal trainer, finished school in like health and promote health promotion, I ended up working in a clinic with like as a physio assistant. And then I saw the paycheck of a physio and I'm like, man, homeboy is, is that typical like physio clinic where there's 15, 15 minutes per patient mm-hmm. and the assistant was doing all the work. And I was like, where, like, there's no like real care we're providing or the, the person that went to school is not providing as much of a service. And then, and then the same day I talked with a massage therapist had four patients and then they're like, yeah, I just made 120 bucks per patient for the last four hours, made their 500 bucks for the day kind of thing. And then they went home and I'm like, how? And then they provided a kind of a service. And that's, I was like, Oh, physio massage. What is the big difference? And then when I saw that massage therapy was like longer, longer treatment, you could, take care of your person like you have your patient better and probably not better per se but like in a on a longer form treatment than like the most like especially in canada like the the, the experience i had with physios was very very short and sweet kind of thing but with massage i was like oh it's 30 minutes the minimum time with like your therapist mm-hmm. there's a and then and then bringing in a bit more like kind of a physical activity uh or just like rehab uh, perspective to it was like, oh, kind of bridging like the personal training world that I'm in and then the clinical world that I want to provide. And so did you like, obviously you had that conversation with a massage therapist and I know a lot of people, including myself, like a lot of their career path, they had a very positive experience, say with either a doctor or a businessman or something, whatever they decided to take their career path down. And that's what got them to where they want to be. Did you have a massage therapist in your life that you were like, this dude is, he helped me get, get to where I want to be. Like he helped me. Not at all, man. Like I didn't know massage therapy was a, a real job until I got in the clinic setting, working with physios and massage therapists. Mm-hmm. And then I got good conversation. And then one of the physios I was working with, told me like, Hey, like, don't waste your time going to s- for six years in school. Like you've been a personal trainer for the last two years, get some letters beside your name, um, that are kind of fast track and then try to change the industry or the, the industry, or the way people see massage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, cool. That sounds like a great idea. And then as soon as I got into it, I kind of fell in love with like this idea of like what massage therapy is. And what can offer for people? I feel like a lot of people look at massage therapy as just like a relaxation technique where I feel like a lot of people, it, it is pain management. Like for myself, like a lot of my issues are like must like muscle tissue opposed to any sort of structural problem. And that's why I think my massage therapist is my saving grace most of the time. Well, it's like we use our muscles all day, right? Mm-hmm. And then for 30, 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to 60 minutes, you're laying on your stomach or on your back and someone is doing the work for you. 
and like increases your ability to adapt to stress or just increase your like your general ability of life right because mm-hmm. then like for like for myself now i go to massage like once a month and it's someone taking out the kinks for myself and like i'm able to train more yeah but i see what it can do for like high stress people it's just like oh they could just keep riding this wave mm-hmm. and it's cool because it's not only one way to work right like for us like most uh, the, the athletic people it's like all right get the work done i'm gonna go but then you have the complete opposite of the spectrum of someone that just want to come in for relaxation and i think that's the masses like um that people see or often hear about mm-hmm. more than like oh because we don't go to massage therapy once a week Compared to like the people, like the the masses of people that want to relax or feel relaxed or higher stress environment. Yeah, and that's why I think like the the smaller companies, like we have a lot of like big massage companies in the, the states. I mean, like back where I'm from, there's this place called Massage Envy, and they have like six different locations and a bunch of different massage therapists, and that's where everyone just goes to like sit around, have their feet rubbed, and then get like hot stones thrown on them, and they call it a day. But I think a good massage therapist helps you take out the guesswork um, with like your soft tissue work that you should be doing to yourself. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I feel like a lot of people miss the boat on that. Well, it's like, it's kind of like uh, the, the veggies and the sauce, right? Like, the, I just had a conversation with a client today. And I went in the in the weeds in the thick of it with like issues that she had with her neck, mm-hmm. and all the other massage therapists she had prior to never talked about range of motion, neck function, the breathing possibilities, just the t- the effect of the TMJ on the on the C spine, mm-hmm. and then she was just like, "Is everyone trained the same?" I'm like, "Yeah, everyone's trained the same, but it's easy to like." take door number one, which is the hot stone and make a bank doing that. Yeah. It's harder to like, to make a career and like talk about those things with patients. Mm -hmm. Because people come in just to relax. Yeah. Or that's what their idea because it's the first door they see. Now, do you think that your background in personal training helped you with your massage therapist um, route that you're in right now? Or do you think that if you did it the other way around, you would have had kind of the same outcome? I think it, like the personal training gave me uh, kind of this like empathy for people a bit more. Cause like working in a, I worked in a commercial gym or just in the physical clinic as a trainer, it was a lot of people that didn't know how to exercise mm-hmm. or the typical people that want to lose weight because they're overweight. So it was just like, oh, we just got to start at ground zero and build yourself up. Yeah. So like I was, I, I'm really good now at communicating or at listening to people or patients because of what I did on the gym floor. Mm-hmm. Now, like being a, like a massage therapist for the last three years, I think it helps me like bridge the gap between those two industries. Now, do you think you built your empathy through personal training? I think it helped solidify it. I'm not a very empathetic person, and maybe I need to do something like that before I become a Cairo. 
I don't know because I'm really bad at it. Well, like, I think, like, I'm very, like, I think that was one thing, like, brought up a lot, yeah, like, on myself, like, for, like, when I was growing up with, like, my parents and all that. And then I just took that and I was, like, really good at listening to people. But don't get me wrong. Once in a while, I would just love to tell to, like, Mark, hey, man, just shut the fuck up and do your set. (laughs) Some people need to hear that. Yeah. So I think, like, the impact the empathy I gained was more to like read a room more than anything. Mm-hmm. Cause like I could read a room really well now or like read a patient really well of like, Oh, where we need to get this trajectory of treatment. Yeah. Or like, okay, you want to go in this direction, but if we don't do ABC, we can't get the cookie that you want. Mm-hmm. No, I completely, I, I understand that. So like, I think the personal training helped me out with that aspect because getting into the field with like kind of just my personal ideas on what training and performance and health should be probably wouldn't be the greatest thing Mm -hmm. now do you think your knowledge of training so i um saw when i was looking at the skill acquisition course i was going to do it things have happened recently that just caused me not to but you're actually in one of the videos for like the advertising oh, yeah. for skill acquisition. Do you think, I don't know how many prescript courses you've taken, but do you think those courses have helped you um, in your treatment? Oh man, prescript, I, I took like the level one and skill acquisition. Skill acquisition was my first ever course through prescript. Mm-hmm. And then I took the weightlifting one. And um, like it just solidified how to bring ideas or how to communicate different problems to patients it's kind of solidified my way of like going through something with a client or just even understanding like uh, learning for clients. Yeah. And under like, it was to me, it was the best course I ever took because like the 10,000 hour rules, like you play basketball, Mm -hmm. like for me, volleyball was serving probably for you. It was like, all right, shoot the free throw. You got to do 10,000 hours of free throws. That's so bad. And like, I like, don't get me wrong. I love that kind of rule. I loved it, but you can bypass that rule if you're going through proper intention or learning the ability the best way. Mm-hmm. And skill acquisition taught me that process and then helped me out like uh, kind of like structure rehab program for clients mm-hmm. or like where to start for for the, for the patient because like for myself i use weightlift like the like i applied it specifically to like catch up on years of weightlifting the skill acquisition class because mm-hmm. i was like i need to get better at weightlifting for my personal goals but then i was able to take what i've learned on the the skill acquisition class for my weightlifting and take it and like dumb it down i guess to create systems for my patients so with that rule of 10,000 hours, do you think that that skill acquisition course kind of helped you go from that mindset that, yeah, you have to practice it a lot to like, if you practice it perfectly, you can cut that time down substantially. I think it's like, it was just like a kind of like that book at, at the end of high school, right? Like you just burn all you've, what you've learned mm-hmm. and then you just structure it better. Yeah. Cause like for me, like the 10,000 hour rules, like, it was such a 
present rule growing up, like with sports. But as soon as like I dove, I dove into the skill acquisition class, it was more like, no, no, we need to like understand, read what the skill is before we're even able to apply it. Mm-hmm. And like, I've done it so many times where it's just like, ah, fuck it. We're going to start with squats mm-hmm. instead of like, no, no, before squatting, there's more important things to go through per se, like gait cycle, lunges, and then all those can have a better progression for retention of skills. Mm-hmm. I completely, so I completely agree with that. Cause like for my weightlifting, it took a big difference because I was now doing a lot of jumping mm-hmm. prior to like jumping with a barbell. And what did that help for you? Um, just a better control of the hips. Okay. And I- then, I'm in a spot where I'm trying to make everything better in terms of weightlifting. So any, any, any ideas that I can get, I'm going to go for it. Oh, um, I took, I, I played a lot with like different plyos for myself, uh, to understand it and tempos, like a lot of the stuff you could do for me, skill acquisition at the end was like, yeah, you can do so much with the barbell and the intent with the barbell, but it's what you do around the barbell as well. Yeah. So, I was trying to play around with like jumping, like I said, was a big thing. Trying to find variation of the box box jumps, standing box jumps, kneeling jumps. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a thing. Trying to have a bit more control on the the drop as well. So that was a big thing for me that helped. And now learning how to like have a great like overhead position, split jerk position was like, all right, I just got to be comfortable in a lunge. Mm -hmm. So like, what Blaine McConnell like did like the He's single leg. Dog, man. Oh yeah, dude. Homeboy is the king dog. He's a freak. He's a lion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he that is. you like him. I, I love that dude. Cause like he, he's applying it for himself as well. Kind of this process of like, all right, I'm going to sprint, but also like there's a certain level or capacity that he's going to sprint at, mm-hmm. but then doing his single leg, like, lunges jump or whatever it was mm-hmm. like that's a great transference of of like gate cycle and sprint mechanics yeah that's funny every time i just see him do something i just feel so unathletic but then i try to picture myself doing it and then i'm like you know what i could so do it and then i go try it and i'm like man this needs some time i mm-hmm. work on this yeah and like man for for us it's like we want to take the skill and like just run with it right away, right? Play with those 80, 90%. Yeah. But there's something to be said about passing time at a kind of a technical, technically challenging position. Yeah. No, I agree. And that's the thing about weightlifting. I feel like it's so technically challenging all the time. Like, the thing is, like, I could be strong enough to snatch 110 right now. And I've had people say that. But I can't do it because technically positionally like i'm not there and that's one thing that i feel like a lot of people don't understand with the weightlifting like if you watch nathan damron like obviously i'm a big usa weightlifting guy so well dude man nathan nathan like i'm i've been saying it for like the last two years i think nathan is gonna shock the world that didn't like at the next olympics well he's i think he's the most like and i might get shot for this i think he's the most technically proficient weightlifter i've ever watched Oh man, he's definitely up there. His his snatch is the prettiest snatch I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's strong as a horse. Dude, he's nuts. So, but 
look at the the if you so Nathan Demron per se like you look at Nathan when he was part of Mash in North Carolina, just a strong cookie. Mm-hmm. But now since he's transferred to Cal Strength and working with Dave, like you've just seen a different Nathan ever since he stepped his foot in into that gym. And didn't he drop a weight class? As well. Come on, man. Like, that's like, who, who, else, is, who else is dropping from 96 to 89 then going, you know what? I'm actually going to PR everything. But I think, like, look at what he, the, I think the greatest thing from Nathan was not the dropping weight class, but the fact he came after a certain meet, I think it was like the last AO or the nationals. Mm-hmm. He was like, I just, out of 30 competition lifts in the last two years, I missed two. No, and that's the thing that I've noticed a lot about him. I think the and the only one he bombed out on, and I guess he I guess not bombed out, but missed in Bogota was his two hundred eight cleaning jerk. Which and that's was, that was a PR. Yeah, I mean, I I pre uh yeah, I was I'm pretty sure his two hundred three was a PR too, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Which is just nuts the fact that he's PRing on a world stage. But you, but that's what you look at a guy like Nathan where he. T- he took this like the concept where what he what he did at Cal Strength, what he's doing at Cal Strength of like breaking down the pattern mm-hmm. to make it sure it's flawless through each position. Yeah. And the thing is he's so I mean he's obviously strong enough to make sure he maintains positioning through every single positioning, the first, second, third pole and catching everything and just being a oh. tank. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. And it's so I love the fact that we can kind of nerd out about weightlifting because there's not a lot of people that do it and that want to talk about it like this oh dude it's the funniest thing because like it's such a small community but it's so present and it's the best community people just want to get better they, they do and i think that's one of the things too i think you see that the most with and, there, and it's more of like nobody as much as people do compete against each other there's not a ton of competition against one another because everyone wants to see the other person get better just as much as they want to get better themselves. Yeah, for sure, right? And, like, you look at, like, depends on levels. Because I've been in rooms where, man, at weigh-ins, you just show up and there's a tension in the air for a spot on the national team. Yeah. And you're like, this is going to be intense. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's always kind of this great camaraderie and like people cheering up for each other yeah which i think is real cool about the weightlifting community and yeah this kind of goes into it like obviously this kind of goes without saying but let's just segue into into like training and weightlifting as a whole like obviously you're incredibly passionate about it and do you think like that passion is the reason like this massage therapy is such a thing you do like are you using this massage therapy to stay in a gym and training and weightlifting as long as humanly possible. hundred percent. And that's hundred percent chiropractic is like, there's a reason for me to train and go to the gym and stay competing. It's kind of like this kind of a accountability thing, mm-hmm. right? You, you got to walk the talk. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like, no, I can, it's I great to be in a gym training and competing, but I've been, comp- I don't, I wouldn't see myself not competing or training hard at something. Mm-hmm. No, and then I, I actually would like to get into it later, but com- I guess we'll get into it now. But competition, you compete a lot. Yeah. 
I have my first competition in January. Fuck yeah! Let's yes. Let's, let's run through competition. Like prep. What are we doing? Okay. Which one do you want to hear? Because like, so let's talk about the 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 intensity of an a room. So, are you doing a local meet? So, I mean, I, technically, yes, it's a local meet, but I have to drive two and a half hours for it. Oh, okay. Dude, it's gonna be the greatest time ever. I'm looking. I'm so to pumped it. for you. Send me the link. I'm gonna watch it. All right, deal. Um, so like, what 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 was it like? Lastly, like I competed at provincials frontier at Ontario, mm-hmm. and that was an intense competition because, like, it was like kind of like all the people that went to nationals, everyone get together from the province, have a good time at weigh-ins. It's super super smooth. Mm-hmm. But you see those battles de- depending on the weight classes. So uh, Noah Sanavi and Xavier Luzinha, uh, both 96s in the province. Noah is first or second. Xavier is third. And they've been battling it out for the last uh, couple of years. Mm-hmm. Xavier came back from youth or junior Pan Ams with a gold medal. And then... So you just see the environment and the intensity and you're like, okay, this is going to be a dog fight today. Mm-hmm. Back room was wild and it was intense. But you have those people like, it's just a good vibe. But at the same time, you like it's kind of walking on eggshells at some time to time because mm-hmm. you have those bigger dogs competing for something. Yeah. But at, it's, just, it's just like, man, my biggest thing was like, try to take it all in. Try to be as present as possible because those moments are so short-lived and they're so particular as well. Mm-hmm. Like I remember um, my first local meet, I just showed up, tried to talk as much people as I could, meet as many, and then weighed in and then went to chill and then warmed up. But mm-hmm. the vibes are so different depending on who's hosting it and then what's on the line for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I sorry about that. Gonna be like Just a got a phone of... call. Uh, cancel that. But so like first meet for you, what's your openers? I have no clue yet. Nice. Dude. So it's going to be. Be transparent. Be transparent. Yeah. It's um, so today's the 12th. It's in a little over a month. So I think six weeks out. Nice. So I, it's one of those things I've been so, so I got in a car accident a week ago and it stopped, stopped me from training because I had a concussion for a, they, my coach didn't let me train for a whole week. And so I'm now finally just getting back into it. And it's just been a little bit inconsistent here and there. So I'm, it's the six weeks. We're just going after it. Nice. Yo, man, dude, that's like, that's the best. You get an opportunity to train for six weeks and like be in like, in a kind of a, a a race with yourself, right? Yeah. Be like, I, like I think like for me like when I get ready for competition, it's like three four weeks out. I change my desk, my background on my phone. It's like my openers; they're already set. Like I gotta make sure those lists are crisp. Mm-hmm. After that, it's like all right, cool. I know what, I know the list, the openers. I'm taking three or four kilo jumps, the plan's already set. I just got to try to execute. Yeah. And then when, like, you're, when, and, you're, 
training in a, for a meet, or I guess when you're in a meet, do you usually take those and you go for broke, or do you play a conservative typically? Well, the thing is, you still want to show up, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I never been in a position where I needed to go for broke. Does it make sense? Yeah. Like all the last, like my last year of competing, and like even this year, has been only show up, get some experiences because COVID fucked my, I didn't want to compete in front of my computer in my garage. Yep. I was like, so the experience on the platform, I didn't really had that in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Com- started coming back to competition. I bombed out of my first meet because we, that's what we were having so much success. We opened at a weight that I've hit all the time in training try to show up in competition. I get on the platform. I'm like, where's my mom? Kind of like you lose your mom and like the, the bread and like cereal aisle. (laughs) And then she's just like three aisles over and you're like, Oh shit. I shouldn't pick up those Nesquik's like Cheerios. That's how I feel when I train in a new gym. So I'm real nervous for competition. Okay. So like right now, what I would suggest to you hit different gyms. Yeah. In your area. Yeah, which it sucks because there's not a lot of gyms in my area to train weightlifting at which blows. But Okay. I can so even work. better then. Train at a different platform in your gym or a different spot in the gym. Yeah. Cause then you're using your eyes to like a better position. Mm-hmm. Don't train with music. Like try to make sure as things are as consistent as possible and as repetitive as possible for your training yeah no let's talk about um let's get into like the prep before so we're talking like training you're getting program Mm -hmm. are you do you program for yourself or do you have a coach no man i i have a coach and he's a former caltrans athlete spencer mormon okay is he captured in kilos hey is that is he the captured in kilos guy or no um i I think they did a couple stuff with caffeine and kilos back then. Okay. But Spencer lifted for cow strength and now moved to Canada for the last five years, five, six, seven years. I believe. Nice. So he's programming for you. You're getting ready. Let's say we're, we're eight weeks out from meat from meat. I guess. I don't know. Let's go. Let's run through your last meat prep. Okay. So last meat prep, it started with a tune up competition came back from honeymoon. So I was just like trying to like lose all the alcohol yeah. salt that I drank. Also, congratulations yeah. on that, by the way. Oh, thanks man. I saw so, that on your Instagram. I was like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Secured the package. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so like that was kind of a stressful part, right? Cause eight weeks out with like being a massage therapist, my hands get fucked from lifting. Mm-hmm. So I, Eight weeks out, I try to plan my um, my work around the competition and the taper as well. So I'm going to work a lot for the first four weeks, and then I'm going to down, uh, like kind of be less, kind of like semi, like four days a week of work kind of thing to like just offset the amount of pressure I have on my hands. Mm-hmm. So I set up work like that for the eight weeks schedule. Diet is going to be the same for eight weeks just to dial in nutrition and then training it's going to be i'm going to know if the competition is on a saturday i'm going to be having my heavy days on the the competition day Mm -hmm. 
So let's say instead of a max out Friday, it could be a max out Saturday at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. or max out Sunday at 8 p.m. Yeah. Kind of just stimulating like what you're going to have happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So kind of that's the behind the scene kind of work. And then training goes um, how it's going to go. It's going to slowly ramp it up for the first five to six weeks, seven weeks. And then on the eighth week, I'm going to go second uh, day one. So let's say Monday would be snatches till first or second attempt. Tuesday powers. Uh, Wednesday would be um, usually first last warm up or first attempt. Thursday, a bit heavier powers or like five kilos under my last power, uh, my last warm up, and then on the Friday would be like seventy or eighty kilos on the snatch for like six singles, and make it as crisp as possible, and then hundred, one hundred and ten for the same amount of singles, and that's it. I often time week, two weeks or three weeks out of competition. I oftentimes like uh, decrease the load on my squats just because it takes a toll on me because squatting is hard. Squatting <laughs> just squatting is, so hard. is hard. Squatting is sweet, but squatting is hard. Yeah. So I like, agree. I, I just rather, so with work being less intense, like two to three, four weeks out, I'm able to like just dial in better position uh, for the main lifts. And then I just know how to snatch and clean and jerk yeah. until competition. So, so that was pretty much how the outline was for me last competition. So I did my first max out, came back on the Monday, max out on the Sunday, on the Saturday, snatched 135, clean and jerk 175. Competed the week after, kind of a tune-up competition to see where we're at. That was our week two. Snatch 137, clean and jerk 182. And then the four weeks leading up to it, I was, every Saturdays I was totaling around 310. And then kind of I had bad days on snatching because snatches is kind of my nemesis. And then... Yep. <laughs> right? And getting on the platform, I was... I snatched 132... 37 and miss 140 but you could hit 140 because you're and you're gonna hit it in your next competition yeah oh man so i've been and then so exactly we're, we're on a really good spam of training and then 78 got snap, clean and jerk 78 which was my biggest opener yet got called out for a press out retook 78 to get a total and then jumped to 185 for just to like get a PR. Yeah. Um, and then trying to push the boundaries of those 100, 110%, getting more used to it. Mm-hmm. Cause the goal for me, it's like get a 325 total to be able to be on a world team. Which would be sweet. Which would be pretty, pretty, pretty cool. So I set up, I set up myself for those attempts on my last attempts, but didn't get it. So, which is, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of good things that's going to keep happening in the meantime. Yeah. Post competition right now, we're kind of like in a swinging for fences, 
Barry Bonds kind of like trying to hit a home run. So every Saturday now I try to hit a different gym or throughout the week I try to hit a different gyms again, just to change my environment. And like so far I'm very, very consistent with a 320 total. Nice. That's huge. On, yeah. Now, uh, obviously, I guess for the people that don't follow you, I just saw that you posted something about you doing some coaching and you've, you've opened up some pretty in, in exciting things that you're going to be doing here in the near future. Um, as an athlete that's going to coach, you still will have a coach. What is like a lot of people don't understand the benefit of having a coach. I'd like if you could speak to that benefit, I would love, I would love for you to tell the people. Okay. So for me, like having a coach, it's like kind of a mentor, someone that helps me guide me into my journey as an athlete. For me as a coach though, I'm not ready to like have more than like four clients at once because like right now if i do offer like i'm off i'm going to be offering online coaching for weightlifting but i'm already i'm only opening two more spots in my roster mm -hmm. just because it's hard to manage i'm working already in the clinic full-time plus training i don't want to i just want to have quality clients so that i can make they can make a difference in their training yeah right um, but I'll be coaching some classes and um, on the process of getting to snatch and clean injured competitively. Mm -hmm. So the goal of having a mentor, it's kind of like, or a coach, it's knowing where they fucked up or what they would do different or how they structured their programming. Yeah. And then knowing what they're doing in their training. So like my training is very different than my coach's training and he programs for himself. So it's kind of fun to see or pick his brain on why he would do that for me, why he does that for himself. And then it goes back to kind of trying to stimulate progressive uh, progression of the stimulation, the stimulus every training session without creating any bad repetition. Mm -hmm. And now does he, program your accessory work or do you just get like straight weightlifting programming from him um he does he does and then i'm gonna so he does pretty much a full program weightlifting the strength outlook of it and then the re like the accessory stuff i'm just gonna tweak the accessory depending on my weaknesses mm -hmm. um which i found so usually training goes morning with me now having a membership at a commercial gym, I'm going to go on different machines just to like, just create an output and feedback for my later session in the evening. So one thing I'm having a lot of issues right now is the overhead position on my snatch, kind of having some soft elbows. Mm -hmm. So right now going to a commercial gym, I'm doing a lot of presses, lat pull downs, rows just to stabilize my scapula a bit better for that overhead position now what do you think like other than say somebody's getting into weightlifting they don't quite understand how to program for themselves say they don't want to coach right now what are your like say top five exercises like accessory exercises per se for weightlifting um top five like accessory work i would go tall snatch would be the first one Tall snatches, um, snatch upright row, 
and like cheat that rep as much as possible. Kind of over-exaggerate to understand what that pull is, the tall snatch to understand that turnover position. I would go snatch balance Mm -hmm. or drop snatches. And then I would go um, blocks as much as possible. I would obviously stay away from snatch pulls, to be honest. Okay. Because to me, like the snatch pulls are oftentimes, in my opinion, from the programs I've done before getting under Spencer, um, the program I was looking online and all that, they program snatch pulls oftentimes 100, 110%. And for, for your example, like 110, you, could, you know you could snatch 110 but it's not technically sound. And let's say you do snatch pulls at 130, 140. It will look more like a deadlift at that point. Mm-hmm. I would do the, if I would do, if I would program any snatch pulls for anyone, it would be probably the Maddie Rogers, what she's doing. Okay. Like finish the pull on your toes as much, and then put it that down. Kind of. That would be my, my top five because, again, it's creating good reps as much as possible. So kind of that would be my weightlifting accessory work. In general, accessory work would be lat pulldowns, a fuck down, face pulls, bent over rows. Um, I would go skull crushers and then some sort of like single arm carries. Okay. I love that. I think uh, like having somebody that is successful in weightlifting explain kind of what they do, it takes a lot of guesswork out. Obviously, everybody's body is different and everybody's training weaknesses are different. But I do think like, especially if you're starting out, I mean, in my, I would say myself, I'm starting out as well. Having somebody else's input is better than no input or, or guesswork that oh. you find on the internet. Oh, dude, for sure, right? Like, yeah, uh, one thing I was doing a lot through the pandemic was like a empty bar session, mm-hmm. which I was just playing with an empty bar. I was putting a 30 minute clock and I was just playing with an empty bar, trying to the pattern. Mm-hmm. Cause like, like you said, no, no input. I was doing that without any input of anyone. It was so weird getting into a bar without any kind of structure of a situation. Mm-hmm. And then different systems or different countries going to teach the, the lifts differently. Yep. Right, like the United States are very, very trying to be very, very technical. Mm-hmm. But you look at Eastern Europeans, it's like very, very strength based. Yeah. So it's like, depending the system they want to try to learn from, I would try to stay stay with a system of learning for at least six months. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. I feel like that's great, like advice, especially for like. There's, I just feel like there's something that about weightlifting that a lot of people probably should get into, but I just feel like it's very, it's an, there's an obscure, uh, an obscurity around it that people don't quite understand. Well, it's like weightlifting is only as known today because of CrossFit, mm-hmm. and the reason why CrossFit made weightlifting so popular, or a lot of people from CrossFit ended up in weightlifting, they just had that kind of fuck it idea of like, all right, we're going to load as much weight as we can and then we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Because it's scary as fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, you look, you walk in a gym, like today per se, I was, I started training 
in the open gym slot. A lot of like moms, dads was in the gym throughout the open gym. I was training with the owners that I had 135. Like I'm going in pounds there that I had 135 pounds or 290 on the bar for them. It was the same thing. Yeah. So to me, it's not about like the, the weight or per se. It's more about the kind of we're lifting heavy ass shit regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like counterintuitive for my work too. Cause like I missed the clean today and I was just like buckled me once. Mm-hmm. And people aren't willing to push themselves into that zone. Yeah. Cause like, I'm sure like you go to like to your gym, you people or like the people you surround yourself with, and like, oh, weightlifting sounds cool. And then they try it once. They're like, yeah, fuck this. Yeah. This is 100% just being in this position here where your hands are behind your head with a weight over, they're like, mm, th- a lot of things can go wrong. No, there is. Yeah. I had um, very early on, it was on like a PR attempt. I freaking thought I tore my UCL and I couldn't get underneath the snatch to save my life afterwards. And now we're better and we're kind of not being a little bitch about it. But you know, it's one of those things that it's a very, very real thing having kind of per se the yips. I think that's a, the baseball term or whatever it is. Oh yeah, yeah, man. Uh, it's like that kind of that scarcity when you do a box jump. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna, I'm gonna fall. You're like, am I gonna lose my shins on this jump right here? Yeah, yeah, man. Today happened to me today. I missed my top set clean on my clean and jerk today. And then I try to like build it back up and I miss 70%. Yeah. And I was like, uh, kind of my bubble mm-hmm. has shattered. Yeah. No, that's kind of, that's just how it is with weightlifting. But I think it's, that's kind of the deeper thing. Like it's, I think that's what having a better system in place for myself. Like today, I just saw my kind of, uh, my bubble or my, shield shatter in a clean mm-hmm. but having this if but learning it properly early on for someone i'm like okay i just got to learn the position learn mental structure mental fortitude about this gets you better instead of just like coming back to the next session and be like all right fuck me i'm gonna have to try to get under a weight again mm-hmm. so i think like again proper position or proper progression of a skill or going through a lot of empty bar positional positions would help someone um, create more resiliency to those missed position. And then, so this is like completely non weightlifting related, but it's just one thing that I keep catching my, I keep catching it uh, every time we're talking, but common X, I see it on your sweatshirt right there. Are you involved? Oh yeah. Are you involved with them? Like more yeah. than just a consumer? Yeah, I'm involved. Uh, so, uh, Mike Pichella, mm-hmm. he's the owner of it. And then Gino Suarez and I, um, we we just jammed together uh, last May. And we were in at the Prescript Intensive in Toronto. And then we ended up getting together. We jived. Uh, Mike did an event at his gym. And then we tried to support him and try to be part of the brand as much as possible with him. Mm-hmm. So, it's trying to, like be better than what you are on the yesterday. 
kind of thing. It's kind of destroying your potential every day because potential is only a word. Yeah. Until it's put in action. So Gino, Mike, Gino, and I, we did, uh, we built a kind of a weightlifting program, beginning to weightlifting program with Common. And uh, that was pretty cool to like see experiences. Mike has been running it through for himself. And he's been saying only good stuff about like our progression, Gino's Gino's progression through um, the program. So now Mike's in the phase three. We've got a couple people into the program right now and they're having a lot of success as well. So it's kind of an apparel and training brand. Yeah. No, it's definitely one of those things I feel like not a lot of people know about it, but my buddy Victor, he bought the get bigger die trying shirt and i was like no i can't do it because everything we always buy the same thing and so i decided not to and now it's not there anymore so oh man that was my this is that was my favorite t-shirt when he dropped it the get bigger die trying i wear it when i just got my stuff today mike just sent me that and i sent me that last week i finally got it and i'm like man this is the best sweater i ever had yeah no that stuff is sick and then look at that look at the back it's like the, it was all a dream kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's sick. He was. I, I've been trying to. I've been following it all. I didn't send sign up for the link or anything to get all the stuff, but you know, you win some and you lose some. Oh, dude, hundred percent. But there's a bit. There's cooler stuff down the pipe, so stay tuned for that. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, man. This has been the Pre Professional Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.